Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association, with me, Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. This is the last programme of 2018 as we are taking our festive break. I'm off to deepest Middle Earth this year and will return with a new programme on the 7th of January 2019. So to today's programme. It is the 17th of December 2018 and this is episode 94. I talked to WFA Development Trustee David Tattersfield about the pension record cards that are soon to be made accessible online. Pension record cards were the official government record for the awarding of pensions to wounded or ill ex-servicemen or the relatives of soldiers killed during the Great War. It is estimated that they cover between 6 to 8 million individuals. I spoke to David from his home in God's own county of Yorkshire. Hi David, welcome back to the Dispatches podcast. Could you start by telling us what the pensions are and what was their original purpose? The pension records that the Western Front Association have saved from destruction were originally created in order to facilitate the payment of pensions to uh, next of kin of soldiers who were killed, but also the actual soldiers themselves who survived the First World War. And how many records are there? That's a difficult question to answer, Tom, because it's a matter of working out how many pieces of paper or pieces of card there are in each uh, set of drawers. But um, during the course of the build-up to um, the digitisation of these, I did an exercise and I estimate that there are between 6 and 8 million pieces of paper within the archive. So how did the WFA become custodians of this paper record? The Ministry of Defence were looking to save room as far as I can work out in one of their warehouses and offered this record set to a number of institutions, all of whom turned the Ministry of Defence down. And I don't know whereabouts in the list of candidates the Western Front Association was, but we did at least have the foresight to recognise the extreme value of this set of records and that if we failed to um, save these, that they would be simply destroyed and um, the information contained in them would would disappear up the chimney, so to speak. Now, I gather they're in, they're in a warehouse somewhere in the Midlands. Um, how many, how, what's the physical size of the archive that we've actually uh, got? Yes, you're quite right. They, ha- they are in a secure location. Uh, To give you some indication of the actual size of the 8 million pieces of paper that we've acquired, when we took these off the Ministry of Defence's hands, we organised a a transfer of them from the Ministry of Defence warehouse to our own secure location. And that actually took three HGV vehicles uh, full um, to to transfer them from, from point A to point B. So that is what? the size of the archive actually is, the equivalent of three low loaders worth of um, documents. So we come to the pension record cards themselves. And what information do they do they contain and what possible use are they to researchers and also genealogists? You won't be surprised to know that there's a complicated answer to, to that particular question because the, the records actually comprise of a number of different um, sets of or subsets of, uh, of record. 
First of all, um, th there is uh, the very interesting set, which comprises of cards of soldiers who were killed. And because we know that just short of a million men in the British Army were killed in the First World War, um, the calculation that I did about this particular set came to approximately that answer. So, so there is a, nearly a million sets of um, card for soldiers who were killed in the First World War, and that set gives you the soldier's name, their regimental number, the, the regiment, but also, very importantly, in most cases, or vast majority of cases, it gives their next of kin and their home address. So for the first time ever, uh, we can marry up a soldier in, in its entirety, the, 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 the British Army's soldiers with their home addresses. So if you, your great-grandfather is um, John Smith, you'd have a real job working out which unit he was in, simply because of the sheer number of John Smiths. Well, with this actual set of archives, if you know your great-grandfather's address, or even roughly the town he was in, you can narrow it down to possibly a handful of candidates, or just one candidate, for the first time ever, and identify his address, and from that, know his regiment, regimental number, and it opens up a whole load of research. That is just one set, that is just one million out of the six or eight million records and, and shows the use that that particular subset can be used for. Um, what sort of level of information do the records give on terms of a regiment or the unit that an individual was serving with? That's also very interesting. I've mentioned the first set, the soldiers who were killed, but the, there's a much larger set of soldiers who survived the war. And that, that set of cards, like the others, will be released in the new year by Ancestry. And that actually does give you an indication of the different units these guys served in, or the, the regiments that they served in. And I always was perfectly aware that many men moved from unit to unit and thought it was quite small, perhaps a couple of changes. But a lot of these cards do indicate far more um, movement between the units than I had ever realised in the past. So th this set of cards for soldiers who survived do um, largely, not universally, um, give you a list of units and regimental numbers that uh, great uncle Joe m might have served him. So you can see him moving from the Royal Fusiliers to the Royal Welsh Fusiliers to, to, to the King's Own Yorkshire Light Infantry and his different regimental numbers along the way. So that also gives you some kind of scope to perhaps do further research um, into his uh, service record. The, this set of records also do uh, give an indication of a, a pension quite often but also give you codes for going to the ledgers. So the, the ledgers are very interesting because they provide information about the um, wounds that the survivors incurred in order to allow them to claim their pension, but also gives um, addresses and next-of-kin details also for, for, for both the men who survived and, and, and the men who were killed in the war. So, David, when they when they actually record the, the illness or, or injury that an individual would have on a ledger or on the records, do they list both physical as well as mental um, injuries? Absolutely, Tom. The records do um, indicate both physical infirmities and uh, mental illness as well. Quite often I've seen neurothesia written on the cards being the medical term for shell shock. 
So absolutely, the, the, the answer is very much both physical and mental illnesses are shown within these uh, within these cards, especially on the ledgers. And do the do the regimental data that it gives go down to the battalion they've got way an individual ship, or is it much more sort of general? It's a general answer. Um, the naval records that we've got, which is a, a much smaller subset, uh, do actually give um, the ship details. The naval records within the ledgers do not tend to give the ship, but most of those men, I believe, are Royal Naval Division. But the um, regimental details do not generally go down to battalion level, but there are, there are exceptions to that. I have seen um, battalions quoted and also... Uh, brigades um, and um, for, for our field artillery uh, down down to battery level even. So so for, in one or two cases um, in the small study that I've been able to do so far, I have actually seen um, such and such a battery in such a brigade for this chap who was in our field artillery, which um, obviously for that set of records um, or for that particular individual is, is, is gold dust in terms of understanding what great granddad did. And do the records cover soldiers from the Dominions, maybe from the Indian subcontinent, and also um, civilian workers and maybe f- female civilian workers? I'm afraid none of the above. No, th- these are purely British soldiers and their dependents. Um, what will have happened is that the Dominion soldiers would have been paid by the Dominion government. So Canadian pensions would have been paid by the Canadian government. So this set does not cover Canadians, Australians or any other Dominion either. And would it cover former, um, I'm thinking about, would it cover Irish soldiers who served in UK forces, but maybe lived in, in the Irish Free State? as it Absolutely. This, this is pri- prior to the to, to the um, splitting between Northern and Southern Ireland. Uh, so it, it, it is um, the, the British Isles. Yeah, absolutely. It covers Southern Ireland, Northern Ireland, uh, and Scotland and Wales, as well as England. And did it cover records for everybody who applied for a pension, or was it every serviceman who might be eligible for a pension? It seems to apply be for those who applied for. Uh, you occasionally see applications being declined, um, but what would be interesting to try and find out is how many soldiers didn't apply for a pension. I would imagine not many didn't. Those who were perhaps whose families were independently wealthy would probably not have applied. But generally speaking, this is for soldiers who applied for a pension rather than were applicable for a pension. Although um, one cannot be absolutely certain on that particular score. So how, how can members of the public access these records? Well, there's two ways of doing this. Um, first of all, these records are becoming available via our partner, Ancestry.co.uk, um, and the, re- records are, the records are on their Fold 3 site. Um, however, Western Front Association members will be able to access these for free as part of their membership package via a link that we are setting up on the Western Front Association website. This is a work in progress as we speak right now, which is December 2018. Um, We are optimistic that the records um, will be available via our website soon, but there are technological issues to overcome before we can actually make them fully available on the website to members. So, David, what are the particular challenges in actually using these um, documents once they've been digitised and they're on your monitor? 
there are going to be challenges around this, um, not least the fact that the handwriting is, is pretty tricky to, to understand and interpret. So um, the uh, records that I have seen, um, unlike the medal index cards, which are fairly universal in, in, in their presentation, the, the, there's a whole range of different types of cards here, all of which are different, the different subsets are different from each other, but even within each subset of of the archive, um, the, the information is presented in a different way. So there are lots of challenges that Ancestry are currently overcoming in order to, to gather this information together. But even even when that is done, the, the user will have some some difficulty perhaps in, in reading some of the um, the writing on the cards, not least the, the um, diagnosis of injuries and illnesses um, that are shown, we have very various uh, abbreviations which um, I have had difficulty in understanding, and it's only through uh, Google that I've been able to understand what some of the uh, some of the medical illnesses are. DAH, disorderly action of the heart, is one of the easier ones to to understand. But if a, a user comes across DAH, it's not immediately obvious that that actually stands for disorderly action of the heart. So, David, if an academic wants to get involved uh, to carry out some of the analysis on these um, records, is that possible? Absolutely. We warmly welcome academic research into, into these cards. The um, payment of pensions or the, uh, an, an analysis of the uh, illnesses um, that soldiers suffer from, all of this would be very warmly welcome from those wishing to pursue it uh, as an academic question. And should they contact you directly? Please do. And where can people find out more about these records? The Western Front Association will uh, keep members uh, fully informed via um, our website and social media and, of course, through trench lines, the uh, Western Front Association's e-newsletter, which goes out to, to, the, to subscribers. Uh, once we are in a position to, to uh, give further information, we will be very prompt in, in doing so. David, thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much, Tom. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Buthworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Rusman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth, performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.